Tigers will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 406 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going really well, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Had an uh, a, uh, exciting moment at work today. Oh, really? What happened? Uh, ripped the absolute fucking anus out of my pants. Oh, really? Yeah, I bent down to pick something up, and I just heard this, it was a long, slow rip, and I went and touched it. It was right at the top of my ass crack, and I went all the way around to the, uh, the yeah, well, you know, it ex- would have exposed the uh, the genitals if they had been not well encased inside a pair of boxer shorts. There you go. Okay. Had to get my nuts into the, into the podcast at some stage. Sometimes you got to do it. I was yeah. told that I was going to, uh, last week, I was chatting to Nadine. We went to the footy and, uh, she invited me because she's, she's, uh, one of the big shot season ticket holders, you know. And oh, yeah. so she invited, High rollers. Yeah. 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 She invited me to the game and she said that she'd listened to the start of our last podcast and thought she'd send a, a message saying we should edit out a part at the beginning. But then I, I said the word calm like eight different times and she realised that's not getting edited out. So it was uh we're not editing out your part either. We've got to we've got to tell people what life is really like on this podcast. Was, that's was, right. We that's what we are. We're honest. Mm-hmm. And um but you know what we will do. Okay, we definitely won't say come again on this podcast. No, because come come is one of those things that uh, you know you start coming one thing, then it's come everywhere. You know, it's with, a sticky topic. We, we should really probably is. move on. Um, so Stud of Origin teams have been named. Yeah, and uh, plenty of people are unhappy about parts of the different teams so we thought we would go through both squads and talk about who's been selected who we like in the sides who we don't like in the sides uh how we think they'll actually line up for the game because i think that there's a lot of 5d chess being played by people that should only be playing checkers (laughs) yeah absolutely most of the people who are complaining about the state of origin squads are the ones saying that I don't like this selection because a player from my team's not there. Yeah, that's a weird, a weird one. Like I, I have never felt that way. You just pick the best players and, and you know, go from there. But um, there are a couple of weird selections. Some players I wouldn't have selected, but we'll get into that, eh? Yeah. Who should we go with first? Let's go with the uh, the team that has the right number of chromosomes. The New South Wales team. All right, sounds good. At fullback, they've got James Tedesco. On the wings, Brian Tupo and Daniel Tupo. <laughs> it's centre, Katoni Staggs and Jack Whiten. Uh, halves, Luai and Cleary. Front row is Haas, Cook and Paulo. Back row, Murray, Sims and Yo. 
And on the bench is Crichton, Martin, Campbell, Gillard, and Madison. Extended bench: Hines, Frizzell, Saifiti of the Jacob variety, Suwali, and Corasau. Now, there's a lot of upset that Jack Whiten's going to be playing in the centres, and I get that. I wouldn't have had Jack Whiten in the side, but I, I think what's going to happen is he'll bring Crichton, and that he being Brad Fittler, I think Crichton will come in off the bench into the centres, and he'll have Whiten in as a back rower off the bench. Um, but I think most of the side kind of picked itself. Um, I'm a bit surprised that uh, Josh uh, Ado Carr is not there. Yeah, you know what? I heard. I, I briefly had NRL 360 on today, and I saw a bunch of old men complaining about Adokar not being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were making a bunch of rather ridiculous arguments, none of which made any sense, obviously. Um, I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too fussed about mm-hmm. whether Adokar's there or not. I can see the reason why. Um, at the same time, you know, they talk, they talk about his defense being a bit of an issue. These idiots are going, he's a fucking winger. Well, he's not going to make 20 tackles a game. What do you want to read his defense for? You don't yeah, pick a winger me. for the defense. You pick him for their ability to bring the ball back, mm-hmm. score tries and, you know, field kicks. That's like 99% of their jobs. Um, and they've gone on about how Adokar hasn't been as involved as he was at the Storm. Going, well, he's playing for a team that's shit and doesn't get as much ball. And no, I, the arms are not quite the same quality. So I, I actually yeah. think he hasn't been playing too bad. But I also don't think – I don't think he should be there either. So I think he should have been there. I think he's done about as best as you could ask for for a winger that's playing in a team that can't attack. Um, he goes looking for the ball still. I don't think his defence is a problem at all, you know. It's it's not. Like I'd, I would have no issue with him being in the side. At the same time, I'm not fussed either because at the end of the day, he's a winger. So I would have – I put together a New South Wales team that we're going to do a podcast about, New South Wales and Queensland teams. That's and right, and then I completely didn't fucking do anything. And that kind of ruined the whole plan. I'm going to throw you under the bus, but that's okay. I jump in front of buses. It's fine. Exactly, exactly what happened. <laughs> but um, it it the team is pretty close to what I would have selected. Um, I was I'm glad Toto is there because I think he's just capturing his form after coming back from injury, and you know what you're getting out of him in terms of meters are uh, during a game, a state of origin game. So I think he's just a pretty easy selection. Um. I probably would have had Ado Carr uh, instead of Daniel Tupo. But here's the thing for me. I would have had Suwali ahead of Tupo as well. Now, I know you're not the biggest fan of Suwali. I think I might be the biggest fan of Suwali. Now, look, um, I, I will say this, and I was I was actually about to make this point, mm-hmm. is if I've got Tupo and Suwali in the same team, I would have Suwali over Tupo. Mm-hmm. Um, because his leap is better, more mm-hmm. than anything. And if the if you've got Tupo in there to deal with high flying wingers, then you need someone who can jump higher than everybody else, and that's Suwali. Um, I'd only argue that Suwali's hands are not as steady as Tupo's. Not that see, there's much in it, but that's about it. See, the thing I like about Suwali is he goes looking for work, and he's a 
he's a really strong ball runner when he goes looking for work in the middle of the field. He doesn't mind taking up a hit up uh, anywhere on the field, which I really like out of an outside back. He'll eventually move into the centres, obviously, but at the moment I think it would have been a real opportunity to have him out on the wing. But it's a pretty good rotation of wingers that you could choose from. Like the, the four we've talked about just now, that's an embarrassment of riches. And I think that no matter who you have, you're not going to really go too wrong. I think even Tupo, who's been under a lot of scrutiny from people, you know, he's been there, he's done that. He, as you say, he's good under the high ball and he's one of those reliable players. So I can understand why they selected him. Yes, I don't think there's too much that you're going to gain or lose between Tupo and Addo Carr. And I don't think the drop to Sawali is probably even existent. It's probably all, they're all around about the same. Um, I'd actually probably would have thought of dropping Whiten completely and putting Crichton at, at centre. Mm-hmm. I don't see what Whiten provides um, at centre. I, I just don't. Yeah, if, I don't either. I, look, the, I was the, playing for Canberra, and I think to myself, Canberra could use a real 5-8 because this dude is, even when Canberra has been going a little bit better the last few weeks, Whiten is a weakness for them, and I that's him playing at 5-8, which is his number one position now. Um, as a centre, I just don't understand why he'd pick him, and that's why I'm guessing he's going to go to the bench because – there's no reason why you would have Stephen Crichton on the bench. It just is a dumb move. And I don't I, think it's going to – I don't think Queensland are looking at it going, oh, man, we've got to change our whole game plan because Stephen Crichton's on the bench. We've got to be ready for him to come on. You know, if if Crichton doesn't start the game, it's just a dumb move by New South Wales that I think Queensland would let them do. Yeah, look, this is this is what I said. Okay, Crichton is uh, younger, faster. Um a better ball runner, a much better defender. And so that's the reason why I'd have him at centre. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have Whiten on the bench because you've got Nico Hines in that side and Hines can play the positions that Whiten plays, but better. He's a better ball player. He's a better creator. He's able to play fullback. He's he's a very good ball runner anyway. So he's going to be more creative than Whiten. So I don't see Whiten's point in this whole squad. Yeah, nice I just one. wouldn't have him there at all. Hines and Crichton make him redundant. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, even Sawali to a certain extent, you know. Um, I, I just don't understand why they picked him, but it's one of those things that coaches, and we've talked about it before, coaches like players that they know that they've got a job done with before. Um, and that's obviously why he's picked him. And I I don't understand it, but... You know, it's a weird one. What about Tony Staggs? Because Staggs is a hot and cold player for the Broncos. He is. He's a very he good defend. Uh, he's a very good attacking player, but his defense can be pretty shocking at times, and that worries me a little bit. That is genuinely a concern, um, and they haven't really picked much in there in ways to um, cover him and Whiten. And so Staggs. Yeah, I don't know. I I I'm I don't mind him as a player. I think when you you've got a back, you need someone who's going to be a little bit rocks and diamonds um, every now and then because it makes it's that little bit of unpredictability about him that can uh, 
you know, unsettling opposition team and not, you know, making him a bit hard to, to defend against. Um, he's got good pace. He does run good lines. He does have a good passing game. Uh, and I think those factors are alone are why they put him in the side because um, he's going to be a good link between Luai and Tuo. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you want. Um, yeah, I, I I don't mind him. I think the problem New South Wales has got is at centre because that is their only genuine weakness because, you know, They've got a bloke who plays five eighth his entire career at centre, and where if he wasn't there, they would have had a bloke who plays fullback all the time in Tom Trevojevic playing there. It's like they don't have a single fucking centre available in New South Wales. We just could have put makeshift guys there all the time. So I suppose the question is, aside from Crichton, who else would play at centre instead of Staggs and Whiten? See, that's the thing. I'm, I like Crichton is a is a walk up start. I think he's a walk-up start to the test team too. I think he's the best centre in the game. But alongside of him, it's like, who do you have? When I put my team together, I was thinking it would be Mitchell or um, Trebojevic, and they're out, both out injured. So it, it's a tough one. I could have, I would have happily seen Suwali in there at centre. And I know that that would have been throwing him into the fire a bit, but... I think he could have handled it. Well, if we rewind about three or four weeks, Talakai. Yeah, he could have gone in there. Man, the commentators were wanking hard over him being in the uh, origin side. I don't think he would have done a bad job, to be honest. But um, I didn't think they'd pick him. No. I I, a, I, an awful I, lot of pick I, and stick about the, uh, the New South Wales selectors. Um yeah, I was trying to figure out who they might put there, and it's it's a bit of a tricky one. I don't know who you'd who you'd name in there. Yeah, maybe I, Burton. Burton, look, Burton would get a job done. I think. Um, I don't think the Bulldogs would have ruined him completely from what he was doing last year. And I but think Burton again, would be a, a more sensible pick than Whiten. Uh, yeah, look, I do too. I do too. And Burton's a big dude. Like people don't realize how big Burton is as well. Um, I would have been happy with, like, considering who's in and who's out, if it was Staggs and Crichton named in the starting side, I would have I would have been like, yeah, that, that seems about right. But it's you throw Whiten in there and it's like, I don't know, it's just off-putting. Yeah, it just... It's like you've got this nice new... Um, yeah, nice, nice new thing there. And then you just decided to put some old fucking decoration in there because you know it gave you a good time many years ago. I don't know what. That the is fuck the worst one. fucking analogy. What the fuck? God, that is the greatest that? analogy ever. People are gonna, they're gonna be remembering that one in twenty years time. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, the halves, the halves were pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Um. I just want to make sure that Luai is running straighter than he is sideways. If he starts getting sideways in origin, we're fucked. It's a problem, yeah. I agree. Uh, the front row of Haas, Cook, and Paulo, I think that's pretty straightforward, yeah? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cook's only just started to get a bit better, and I'm talking about probably in the last two weeks, and most most of all in the last 40 minutes that he played. That second half against the Tigers, he was 
absolutely uh, absolutely on fire. And I thought, it's about fucking time you started running the ball, man. See, I didn't have any problems with how he was playing. I just felt like it was a lot of a product of how Souths were going. Um, their forward pack isn't that good. And they got by last year on their backs being outstanding. Well, now their backs aren't playing that well. And so Cook's not getting too many opportunities to run out of dummy half. But it was good to see him play well on the weekend. But I, like I, 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 never on, I never wavered on picking Cook for New South Wales for nine. Oh, no, there's no other options, really. But just remind me, too, Campbell Graham could have been the centre for New South Wales. Campbell Graham, yeah. He probably like, would have got the job done. Very, very well on the weekend. Yeah, I, I like him, hey? Yeah. Um, um, Haas and Paulo, though, big mobile, good hand, good ball-playing skills as well between the both of them. They're going to be a big threat in the middle. Yeah, I, I was when I was putting my team together, I was looking for a little bit of size in the pack behind them as well. Um it's just such a good front row. It's fantastic. Uh, the back row, um, Murray, Sims, and Yo. I once again, I think that kind of picked itself. I know that Sims is there's. You could question why he's there, but when he plays for New South Wales, he plays really well. And I just think that that's a really nice balance between the skill set of those back rowers there as well. Yeah, look, I don't mind Sims too much being there, but uh, I do think that there's an awful lot of questionable forwards picked in this side, not in so much on the runner side, but um, Sims, Campbell Gillard, Madison, Frizzell, Saifiti. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So when you, I, once you get to that, like, so the, he, here we've got New South Wales. They've got quite, uh, Crichton at 14. As we said, that's a weird one. Liam Martin at 15. Look, he'll come in off the bench. He'll do a job for them. Yeah, he's you know a good, what he's going to do. At this level, he's going to be really, really good to have off the bench because he plays a lot of energy and he plays in the middle as well as he does on the edge. He's going to be handy either way. Uh, I do like the, the selection of Martin there. Now, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, who I like to call um, Tim Grant 2.0, I think that he is not a very good player. I, I think I'd, he's overrated. I'd rather call him, I'd rather call him Tim Grant 1.1. 1. 1. <laughs> 1.1. That's a good one. I, I don't get like since he left Penrith, and actually not even his last season at Penrith, the one before that, mm-hmm. was about the last time he was absolutely at his peak. I agree. And he's he's had moments where he's he's reached that, that level at Parramatta, but he hasn't maintained it for very long periods of time. Um, I don't. Madison's another one that's similar. Guy can play out of his skin, but he doesn't do it frequently enough for long enough. Yep. Um, Frizzell, I've not seen him play a good game for years. Yeah, Jacob Saifidi is just a Matthew Johns fucking pick, and I don't know why they persist with it. He's been terrible this year, Saifidi. Yeah. Like he's been terrible. I I don't get why they keep picking him. It's nah. got me beat. I don't get it. I mean, Frizzell and Saifidi, they're shocking selections. Campbell, uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, you hit him once hard in a game, he disappears. Ryan I'd have Madison. Luke Garner over some of these guys. Hey? I'd have Luke Garner over some of these guys, and I am not suggesting Luke Garner be playing Origin. I'm just <laughs> saying that that's the level that they're at, and probably a little bit below him form-wise at the moment. Yeah. I look, Nico Hines being in the, in the squad, I'm guessing is 
I mean, he could cover fullback. He can cover your halves. You know, he's pretty versatile in terms of if you get an injury, he can slot into a lot of positions. He could probably even play on the wing if you really needed him to. So I get him being there. Um, so while so for he, me, for me though, Hines should be one of those guys you put in the seventeen for that utility back value. Because I'd rather I, have a utility back who's an actual genuine ball player over someone who just is a centre, like White or Crichton. And I'm not I'm not downplaying Crichton's ability, but Crichton should be in the starting side, and Whiten shouldn't be anywhere there because I don't. As I said before, Whiten doesn't have the ball playing skills to match it with Hines. Well, when I was putting together my bench, I was thinking, what do I want off the bench? And I wanted one really big bopper up front. Uh, I wanted a couple of second rowers. And then I was thinking the thing I would probably have is Appy Coruscant on the bench. And I would play Cook and Coruscant less minutes than I normally would if they were just normal starters in the team. Because I think with fresh legs, they're going to be a nightmare for Queensland. If you just get, if you, you know, rotate them a little bit, obviously you can't rotate them heaps because you've got limited interchange. But I just think it's better than, say, playing Cook, you know, 70 minutes and giving him a bit of a blow, you know, sometime in the second half. Um, if you sort of had him playing, I don't know, 50 minutes on Coruscant, the, the last 30, um, or, or the other 30, not so much the last 30, I think that that would be really tough for Queensland to have to deal with. Um, the benches it's chose here, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's a bit bit of a mess. I probably would have had Talakai on the bench because uh, he does have that versatility and he can use you know, that um, low centre of gravity sort of mm-hmm. power running back rower slash centre. Mm-hmm. If if you want to have a someone like that on the bench, that's probably that would fit the mould there pretty well too. He would have been handy in that role. Well, that's um, the thing about about Martin in the team. Like he's one of those guys that in the you know about the 60th minute when a lot of players are out in the feet, the last thing they want is a fresh Liam Martin running on the field. You exactly know? right. And, and I, mean, I think that in Origin, that's the sort of thing you want. You know, it, it, like you wouldn't want a fresh. Uh, Damien Cook coming off the bench and he's had 20 minutes worth of rest at that point in the game. It, things like that are what I think about that you want from your bench. And a lot of these players, they just don't bring that. Frizzell, like, I don't get it. Saifidi, I don't get it. They don't really bring too much. No, no, that's right. I'd, I'd be more inclined to have, yeah, probably Talakai on the bench along with Martin, and put a prop on there and then have um, Hines, for example, as the utility back. Mm-hmm. And that way, if you do get an injury to a back and you need to bring another back on or a half or something like that, you've actually got two players that can cover that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Talaka can play, can play in the in the middle as a lock sort of player. He can play on the edge as a second row, which is what he's more used to. Um, I just think he's perfectly suited for this sort of uh, position, being on the bench mm. uh, at Origin League. He'd be brilliant at it. Um, but, yeah, there's, it's not too bad. Yeah, um, it's, I agree. It's not a bad team. I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I, I, that'll do. I, I like the <laughs> I like the 1 to 10 an awful lot. Yes. Um, and Murray's been in pretty good form, so I don't mind him there. Yo deserves to be there. He's 
very, very um, uniquely skilled. Mm-hmm. And I say that in a very positive way because he's he's just a little bit different, enough different to most other lock forwards to make him just a little bit complicated to play against. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk Capewell is another one that's kind of similar. Like, you see the body of him going, yeah, okay, he should be in the forwards. But he's just got that, these little things he does. You know, that little step closer to the line. He's got a good passing game. Um, and just really intelligent when he uses it. He knows when to use it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes him just a little bit tricky to handle. Uh, so he's always going to be there. Um, but, yeah, just that, that extended bench is just a mess. Yeah, I just... That that's the sort of thing that New South Wales in their losing run, they they picked a lot of players like that. Yes. And we've got a lot of very good players that should be in those positions, ready to rock and roll. And I mean that's a there's some tired players at the end of this player list for New South Wales. Yeah. There certainly is. Now Let's have a look at the Queensland side. Now, in past years, the Queensland side was basically just selecting, if they could, 21 players who are eligible to play for Queensland. Yeah. They've actually had a few players, thanks to the Cowboys hitting a bit of good form, as well as the Broncos finally getting back on the winner's board. Um, they're actually starting to find some extra players, which is starting to look a bit... They're looking a bit handy now because they've mm-hmm. not only got decent players there as well as a bit of experience, but they've got players in form and a pretty good mix along along the way too. So at fullback, they've got Ponga. Uh, on the wings are Cobbo and Coates. Centres are Holmes and Gagai. Halves are Munster and Cherry Evans. In the front row, Farmer Sumaluai, Ben Hunt and Josh Papali. Back row is Capewell, Felice Kafusi and Ruben Cotter. On the bench... Grant, Lindsay Collins, Patrick Carrigan, and Jeremiah Nanai. An extended bench is Deedon, Arrow, Flegler, Tabuai Fadao, and Tuolagi. I really, really like the vast majority of this team. Um, I'm shocked Pong is there. I'm utterly shocked he is there. AJ Brimson should have been there. Yeah, it's a... It's a tricky one because you've got so much creativity in the rest of the spine, in Munster, DC, and Ben Hunt, and with Harry Grant on the bench. It's not like you need another skilled ball player mm-hmm. in the side as well. If you wanted to, you could have just put Gagai or Holmes at fullback. You just need a kick returner there more than anything. Strong kick return, and Ponga doesn't genuinely give you that. Exactly, exactly. Like, And that's where I think Brimson is – that right combination, like he's got a little bit of ball playing in him. He's been playing a lot of five eighth for the for the Titans this year, but when he played fullback for Queensland, he was fantastic for them. And he's, you know, he does run the ball back better than Ponga. Weirdly enough, um, I just was shocked that they picked Ponga. I think if you look at his club form, it's it's really really bad. And uh, yeah, he's he's not a worry carrying the ball back from fullback. No. Um, two I thought might have got a look in here was uh, Reese Walsh. Yeah, yeah, like I, I wouldn't if he had been named at fullback, I wouldn't 
have blown up about it. I would have said, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Obviously, playing in that just fucking tragic New Zealand Warriors team um, that is going to, you know, hold him back from rep duties, uh, rep rep opportunities, sorry. I thought they might have at least put him on the extended bench, kind of like what New South Wales did with Suwali. Yeah, yeah. I thought they might have put him there. Well, Um, I guess Hamasai... Tabu Tabu Ifadau. That's it. Yeah. He he can play full back if you need him to at a stretch. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean they've got basically full backs throughout most of the back line there. Munster can play full back. Uh, yeah. Holmes can play full back. Gagai can play full back. Coates probably could. Yeah. Um they've got plenty of pace in that back line as well. Especially in the three quarters there. Cobo and Coates. Very toey. I mean, was it even a month ago we were saying someone Cobbo probably needed time in Queensland Cup just to get physically up to it? And since then, he's been like playing like the best player in the world. It's been great. He has been, yeah. (laughs) He's been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I worry about Valentine Holmes' defence, I've got to say. I think that as a centre, I'm kind as a New South Wales supporter, I'm happy to see him there in the centres. the thing, though, is he's only going to have to defend against Whiten, and Whiten doesn't have much of a step, so... It's a good like, point. He's going to get beat by him. That's a very, very good point. <laughs> but if, if it was Holmes up against Crichton, yeah, that's a weak point. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather have Holmes at fullback than at centre. Because he does... I know you're not a huge fan of Holmes, but he does have kick returns where he does run the ball back hard. And... That's all Queensland needs. They've got they've got a very, very skilled spine. Yeah. Doesn't matter who the fullback is. You could actually put just you put fucking Fafita at fullback. Teach him how to catch and just say, right, run it back hard. Oh hang on, he doesn't do that. Maybe someone who does run it back hard. <laughs> you could put there's such a skillful back line, you could put Clint Gutherson at fullback there. And you'd like, I know you'd get zero meters going forward, like he normally gives you. But um, hang on, let's put someone, let's put a Queenslander there in Moses and By. <laughs> That'd be fine. What do you think about them selecting Ben Hunt at nine and having I, Grant on the bench? I I don't understand that. You know, I I'm not too I'm not I'm not too opposed to that to be honest. Yeah. I think they've shown so far when when they bring Grant off the bench, um, he just plays very fast and he plays to and through the line really well, even at origin level. Um, so I don't mind it. Um, Hunt's proven to that he's pretty good defensively in the middle there, so I I think it's okay. Um, and this is a good way of making sure that they don't burn each of the each of them out. Yeah. The only problem it is, though, is it does mean that they've either got to play three forwards off the bench or two forwards and a back, you know, because they're going to have a hooker on there as well. And neither of them are, you know, too versatile. I know both can play at halfback. But the chances of DC or Munster getting injured, it's not something that happens a great deal. So it's not something you usually have to be prepared for. Um, yeah, the other thing is too, like if, if one of their outside backs gets injured, uh, 
you, you would think that it would be Munster that would move out there to cover that for the probably anyway. Or Cape, That's right. Cape could do it too. Cape Ball could do it as well. But I just don't want to mess with their halves is what I'm getting at is I don't want to be thinking of Munster is a, a relief valve for the team if they if if Pong if they lose a couple of outside backs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that, this is the problem though, is if you keep the spine intact or if you keep the halves intact and you've lost an outside back, yeah. you will likely have to move two players. So it might be say if Ponga gets injured, Holmes will go to full back, Cape Ball goes to centre and then you bring a forward on. Mm-hmm. So it, you don't have someone coming from the bench you can just slot straight in there. That's their yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, or just one other move, you know, it's got to be two or three moves in order to make it work. And so that's, that's not helpful. And that's the only thing they've got is there's not a huge amount of versatility when it comes to the bench. If something bad like that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's a pretty, pretty decent four pack. I'm, I don't mind it. The only thing is I think, I, I don't know why teams keep picking Kafusi. I think he's yeah. I think he's past it, man. He's so past it. That's the other thing. Like I, I'm glad to see Patrick Carrigan in there. He really deserves a start. But uh, and, and yeah. look, Cotter has been playing fantastic this year. I'm so I'm happy to see him there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just Kafusi. I just I don't know. These the coaches they love somebody that they're comfortable with. They just the problem, love it. The problem with Kafusi's case, especially at origin level, mm-hmm. is he's full of brain snaps and he will be giving away penalties. Mm. He just doesn't know how to re- reel them in when, when you know, the emotion gets up a little bit. He just starts doing stupid niggly shit or, you know, running around with his elbows out like he's a fucking chook. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Put your fucking elbows down. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. If... If I was the uh, the Blues forwards, I'd just be pounding him, make him snap. He'll hurt. He'll hurt someone in the process, but fuck, you might get him sent off. <laughs> um, who do you have <laughs> as favourites looking at these two teams? New South Wales should be favourites. Okay, now on Palmerbet.com, Palmerbet's yeah. our sponsor. Remember, gamble responsibly. Palmerbet.com has New South Wales in the head-to-head as favourites. At one dollar sixty, with Queensland at two dollars thirty-five. Yeah, I think that's about fair. You reckon? I reckon Queensland is a, a really good price. I would put money on Queensland. Yeah, the thing is, okay, when you've got the very good kicking game of Nathan Cleary, and you've got Tupo running at Cobbo, or Tuo at uh, Coates. I know they're two very different body types. Mm-hmm. But you think about, you know, Cleary puts a kick up towards the winger. You've got two young guys there. One's going to have an experienced bloke who can jump over the top of you, and the other one's going to have an absolute fucking train running at him. <laughs> it's, it's, going to get to, it's going to get in your head. And all, all um, Cleary's got to do is ball up there as long as possible to make sure his wingers are right on top of him. You'll get in the head straight away. I don't know. I, I really like the look of this Queensland team, man. I, I No, it's a good-looking side. But there's a few young players mm. in places where you kind of want a little bit of experience. I don't mind Cobo and Coates. I think they're very, very good wingers, and they're going to be really, really good. 
but you could probably also make an argument for Kyle Felt to be in there somewhere. And I know a lot of people would think that's a bit odd, but Kyle Felt will deliver for you more often than not. And when you've got, um, you know, a lot of tries nowadays in, in origin are scored out wide. You need a bloke who knows how to find his way to the line in very short space. And that's something Felt is just an absolute master at. See, I, I think Felt might be injured at the moment. Well, that's a bit of a fucking shame. <laughs> he's, I don't know, I, I just think he's, um, I don't know, a lot of people just shit on him for some reason. I don't, I don't think he's that bad a, a winger. Um, he just, he gets a job done. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, that's kind and, of what you want. It is, yeah, it is. Um, now the line has been set at three and a half points. Queensland have a three and a half point head start. They're at one dollar ninety. New South Wales with three and a half point handicap are also at one dollar ninety. They've set the total points for the for the game at thirty six and a half. I, I want to see what the um. Jeez, the, unders might be a chance there. Play. I think. Hey. Unders might be a chance there. I think. Yeah, well, the, the line hasn't moved on that. It's $1.90 whether you take the overs or the unders on that. But I, I think if it's if it's raining, you definitely go unders. But I'm guessing that people start smashing the, um, the prices on that. Um, so I'm just trying to see what else we got here that would be interesting to talk about. Let's go to the popular markets. Uh, halftime for any time try scorer. All right, pick it, pick it, pick it any time try scorer, Andrew. Any time try scorer. I'm going to go with Valentine Holmes. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with Harry Grant. Valentine Holmes, any time to score a try on palmvet.com, $3.45. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, that, that's not bad, huh? He, um, he, he does know how to find the line. He's going to be, surely be up there. Harry Grant is $6.50. You know what? Damien Cook is $6.75. God damn. That's pretty good. Uh, is there anyone here? Ben Hunt is $7.75. He's a good, he's a good, good one. Um, Martin, Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary, $4.90. That's not bad either. Anytime try scorer. Yeah, that, that's not too bad. He, he He's, um, not too bad at uh, getting his way to the line either. Yeah, he's a good, a good hard ball runner. Um, mm. Be handy at the end of the game. So, if you had to, so you're picking New South Wales to win this year. Naturally. Okay, I, I find it very hard to pick against New South Wales for this one, and I would, but I would say I really, really like the look of this Queensland team, but I'm, I'm sticking with the. Uh, current champion New South Wales side and hopefully they've just got you know enough of that cohesion to get them through because Queensland has made a fair few changes especially to their back line so we'll find out how that all happens and and lines up on the 8th of June what are we now like nine days away now something like that yeah yeah awesomeness I can't wait it's gonna be awesome hey there's been um away from origin talk Mm-hmm. A little bit of player um, signings, re-signings. Okay. Um, the Dolphins have announced the signing of Ewan Aiken from the Warriors. Okay, that's he's not a bad one. Yeah, he's pretty Just handy. Solid, yeah, fill out the side. 
Um, and the Dragons have done the Tigers a solid by re-signing Jack Bird. The Tigers have apparently been looking at him. Yeah, I was worried about that. Um, but we've talked about Bird. I, I just don't see it. I don't see why there's this thing of wanting to chase him. I, I don't think he's that nah. good of a player. Uh, he's he's not. The the injury he had moved when he went up to the Broncos. Uh, he lost too much game time out of that, and um, he doesn't have the lateral movement he once had. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not being used for his ball playing skills anymore. So he's just he just runs lines. Yeah. Um, Herbie Farmworth has extended his contract at the Broncos. Uh, the Warriors have signed former Raiders forward Dynamis Louie effective immediately Ooh, after they let player. after they let Matt Lodge go. Yeah. Okay, um, we haven't talked about the Matt Lodge thing yet, have we? No. Okay. We'll, we'll go, tell us the rest of the play movements and then we'll talk about that. Uh, West Tigers released Thomas McKayley, uh and he moved to Warrington in Super League. Oh, poor bugger. Uh, <laughs> and the Sharks have extended the contracts for Jack Williams and Hamlin Yoweli. Okay. Oh, what is it? Oh, Marcus Sivo has also extended his contract at the Eels for another year. Wow, that's an interesting one because he, he hasn't played all year and he was starting to get a lot of injury problems. Uh, and I feel like the Eels had moved on. So they re-signed him, though. So see how that turns out, eh? Mm. Um, now with the Matt Lodge thing, Matt Lodge... Gets an immediate release out of nowhere from the Warriors, New Zealand Warriors. And then it comes out that there was some sort of disagreement between him and I believe it was either the chairman or the owner of the club. And Matt Lodge asked for an immediate release and the club gave him that release plus paid out the rest of this year on his contract and also paid out next year on his contract, which was a player option that he hadn't taken up yet. That seems crazy. It does. And then there was a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, I think it was the, I think it was the chairman who was saying like, he got into a disagreement with Lodge and it was that he, it was like, he said something along the lines of it was two alpha males having a, a disagreement and I always think, like, whenever you hear somebody talking about any any sort of thing about being alpha male or anything, they're always a weird dude, hey? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, he settled. Okay. Let me Yeah, look, when I think alpha male, I think um, I think going to the urinals and picking the one in the middle so that no one can actually, you know, they've all got to sit, sit around and wait because no one wants to stand next to someone else taking a piss. That's kind of what an alpha male is. Um, so essentially we've, got, we've just got two blokes standing next to each other taking a piss trying to be in the middle. I, I always think when somebody talks about that alpha male shit, I always think, like, they're scared of something. Yeah. Like, if you've got to say shit like that out loud, 
dude, you're probably not what you think you are. Yeah, it's it's usually them worrying about, you know, how big they think their dick is. Yeah. That's basically it. It's a weird one. It's a very weird one. And then we have um, an issue up at uh, at the Broncos with Payne Haas, who has a new management team, and they want him to get an upgraded contract offer from the Broncos. And, you know, if the reports are that he's on, I think it was $800,000 a year currently, that is probably unders for what Payne Haas is worth. Um, but it, it, it does look very messy. And I don't think that these sorts of things help a player. But at the same time, what's he supposed to do if he is leaving, you know, over the course of a contract, he's leaving a lot of money on the table that he probably deserves. You know what, though? I think Payne Haas needs to sit down and just go, you know what? I did have a little bit of a drama a few years ago, and the club helped me out there. Maybe I should just shut my fucking mouth and take this money and wait till my next contract comes around and then talk about getting extra money then. But it's a long-term deal. That's the problem. So, contract. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know, consider it you repaying the club for when you're a dickhead and force them to fucking help you out. Now it's your turn to return the favour. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. See, I, I look at it differently. I would, I think I would have gone to the club and said, look, I do want an upgraded contract, but I probably would have incentivised it. I would have said, look, if we can, if we get to the finals, you know, and, and I'm the leading front rower in this team, um, I deserve a higher contract because he could. He could get a million bucks at a lot of clubs. So he's leaving a lot of money on the table. How's about this? If you are, you know, one of the leading props in the cop, obviously, you get rep honours. You keep your nose clean and out of any trouble whatsoever. At the end of your current uh, contract, Mm -hmm. we will give you an extra $200,000 for every year that you behave yourself on that current deal. As a lump sum at the end. Imagine that. You're just sitting there going, oh, I've just been paid 800 grand this year. Oh, and I get another 800 grand on top. I don't know. I would just want my money. If I was if I was to play like Payne Haas, I'd say <laughs> I'd want my money. I think given that massive shit that went out, massive, massive shit that went over there in uh, Bali, I think he should just shut his mouth and just uh, see out the contract before he starts looking for extra cash. Okay. Be, be a bit more grateful. If the West Tigers come in and said, we're going to pay Payne Haas a million bucks if he comes here, would you be un- unhappy with that? A million? Yep. Um, probably. I don't think the Tigers are a club that should be giving anyone a million dollars right now. <laughs> Problem is they are too, too often, too often they've given people um, lucrative contracts. How's that track record going? It's a good yeah. point. That's yeah. a good point. So they shouldn't be offering out million dollar contracts. Not until they make the finals, then they can start thinking about doing that. I tell you what, I would have had him at the Panthers if he wanted to come to the Panthers. Oh shit, yeah. You know. Um. Okay, should we do some emails? I think we should. It's okay. been a while. 
it has been a while. Now, this is one that got here on the 17th of the 5th, and it's from Liam. Oh, it's only two weeks ago. Yeah, and it's <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> it is titled West Coast Bears. And he says, hi, guys, just wanted to know your thoughts on the talk of the Bears resurrecting themselves in Perth. I'm all for expansion into WA and South Australia as well, but I would prefer the team to have a neuter identity. But okay, fine, if it is the only way to get a team in Perth, then so be it. But the idea of having four home games at North Sydney Oval is possibly the dumbest crap I've heard. The NRL needs to sit the Bears down and tell them that if they want to be in Perth, uh, then they have to bloody commit to it wholeheartedly. All games in Perth, and if you want old North Sydney fans to go to the game, they will have plenty of opportunities to see their away games in Sydney. You don't see the Swans or Lions in AFL taking games to Melbourne, so the Perth slash West Coast Bears shouldn't take any to Sydney, in my opinion. Anyway, what do you guys think? I think we both agree on that. But we we also agree with him that they should get a new identity, yeah? Yeah, so here's my idea. Start with the Perth Bears, mm-hmm. right, the red red and black jumper, mm-hmm. then maybe add some white and yellow to the jumper, mm-hmm. and then take the bear, make it a bit bigger, give it a long tail, and maybe make its legs, like its back legs, a completely different size to its front legs. And make it sort of jump around the place, you know, instead of wandering around slowly and whatever the fuck bears do. Um, and then maybe you might have like a a red sort of kangaroo-looking thing. And then you might actually have a team that is unique and uniquely Western Australian. And the colours... You know, black, red, yellow. Yeah, obviously West Australia has a, a large Indigenous um, uh, community out there. So all representation as well. So, you know, that channels into that. And the white, um, that can be the little bit for North. Okay. So I would love for the new Perth team, they announce it. They say the new team is in Perth and our mascot He's our mascot, and the mascot comes out, and it's a bear. And he's, you know, he's out there in front. He's sort of dancing around, and then you hear like a smashing music sound, and it's like, what's going on? And a quokka comes out and just starts beating the shit out of this bear mascot. Like, but then, right, it, it goes on for too long, and it gets really awkward, and, and it's just like everyone's really quiet because he's been beating the shit out of this bear for like. 10 to 15 minutes with his big smiley face on. I think that would be perfect. Yeah, instead of this big crashing music, it should just be the uh, Stoke or Steve Austin breaking well, glass. Well, that's kind of what I'm sort yeah. of getting at. With, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think that would be the perfect way to introduce the new team in Perth. I I am fully on board with that. Um <laughs> If you're listening to Benny Elias, you stupid prick, fucking do that. <laughs> now, um, I'm, sure he, I'm oh, sure he's involved. Hang on. There was a little bit more to Liam's thing. Uh, P.S. Why are Bears fans the worst at letting go of their team? I don't see Newtown fans complaining Ooh. about not being in top grade anymore. Ooh, and they, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, I know. That's, there's, there's some West Magpies fans out there you should probably get in touch with. 
and they appeared in a grand final more recently than the Bears, despite dying over a decade before them. That's a good point, though. Yeah. I think the Newtown fans, though, were a lot more accepting of their fate. Um, and, yeah, they accept that the NRL is not for what the game used to be like in the 60s and 70s when they used to watch their team play. Yeah. But the New South Wales Cup is, and they found their niche, and they like that niche, and they're happy there. Yeah. Because they're normal, well-adjusted humans. That's why. North Sydney fans don't know what's going on there. That's right. Every time we talk about North, he gets cranky. Yeah, I understand that. He sounds like Greg Florimo sometimes, hey? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> All right. Well, anybody that's listening, we just removed some baby crying from the podcast. Yeah. That's what happens when we talk about Greg Flormo and North Sydney. So stop sending us emails about them because you make the babies cry. Exactly. Now, we've got another email here from Adam. Uh, The subject is, and we got this on the 16th of the 5th, and by the way, I've sorted out my emails. So you can all start sending emails again. I was getting like 40 emails from just ridiculous spam emails every day. It was really hard to get to the emails. So it's all sorted again. So send your emails in again. He says it, the subject is the Sharks and Shane Flanagan. His comment is, hey, Freaky and Fergo, long-time listener, first-time caller. There's always a lot of talk about the Sharks and Shane Flanagan and the stink of impropriety around them. Without exposing yourselves or being sued to being sued, can you guys do a discussion about it? I literally know nothing about it. Who's, why would we be worried about getting sued? Hasn't stopped us yet. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to sum it up quickly or should I? Oh, look, we can both get into it. Okay, so look, Flano... Flano was the coach in charge of um, the Sharks when they were found to have been involved in their um, peptides regime. Um, and the peptides were essentially the ones they were using, and they weren't using it for too long. I think it was like six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. Um, but the peptides they were using were all about trying to let the players recover from injuries faster. So that's how they were deemed to be performance enhancing. Um now, when the whole investigation finally ended, and fuck me, that took a while, they found that there were obviously the Sharks were guilty. The players copped a suspension. Mind you, it was backdated by, to the fucking yin-yangs, and I think they only missed three games uh, for a bunch of players there, and they got the wooden spoon that year anyway, so it didn't matter. But Flanagan copped a one-year ban. Um, so while he was suspended, though, he was talking with players, mostly at the Sharks, but also away from the club, about their contracts and, you know, looking at new players to sign. And that was for 2015, 2016, 2017. Um, I think it was OGs anyway. Uh, so when, when he returned to the club, obviously they went on to win the premiership in 2016 they got investigated in 2019. Because yeah, remember, the CEO of the club had to stand down because he uh, was caught doing, um, you know, he had some <laughs> of that coke, 
uh, not Coke. Remember that coffee that? That's uh, right, the Michael Gordon coffee. Yeah, he had this really good coffee. Yeah. Keeps you, yeah, special. Keeps you awake for fucking days, Andrew. It's great, <laughs> powerful gear, special yeah, blend. So, so he had to stand down, and the new guy comes in, and he looks at the books, and is like, "Oh shit, something's not quite right here." I, um, I, he's like, he gets his calculator out, and he's like, "Yeah, this sums these don't add up." So it turns out the Sharks. The year before they won the premiership, over the salary cap. The year after the premiership, over the salary cap. Breaking the salary cap, no doubt about it. So he goes to the NRL and says, look, we've been breaking the salary cap. And so add that to the mix. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was over by like immense volumes, but it was by enough. Um, it was actually... Most clubs are breaking the salary cap. It's more about um, some of it is unavoidable, like it might be third-party payments undeclared or some, you know, minor stuff. Um, but these were probably more slightly underhanded, which is what pisses off the NRL and the salary cap auditing. And the other so, thing is, too, had it, been, had it been happening during the premiership winning season, they would have lost that premiership. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but uh, lo and behold, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Flanagan copped a light, oh, what was a life ban. No, as we know, life bans, they last as long as, you know, the, the thing, your arm, the, really. The thing in there, too, that was happening is they, they found out that he was, while he was banned, he was also... Uh, actually doing business of yeah. a coach and that's through right. business that's, house, remember? That's what I'm saying. So he was yeah, that's what I was saying. He was he'd been contacting a lot of players about um uh contracts and stuff like that. Um so that that's what got him banned. And it's supposedly a um no it wasn't a lifetime ban, it was a what was the word they used? An um, indefinite ban. Indefinite ban. But and, and then that lasted three months. Yeah, and then he got an assistant coaching gig at the Dragons. And then after a little bit of time there and the media stopped hanging shit on him, because, well, not that the media did really because Buzz Rothfield's a good fucking mate of his and he's been running around trying to do his, you know, get him rehired everywhere. <laughs> Impartial as fuck. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, then got a gig as a commentator at uh, Fox Sports. What a great fucking addition that was. He also got Someone a gig on uh, 2GB. That's a good thing I don't listen to radio. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what happened there. I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think that's about it. It was oh, a messy also, period. Also, when uh, his son was struggling at the Sydney Roosters. Uh, oh, he, yeah. Uh, Trent Robinson. Yeah, Robinson dropped into reserve grade. He's going, what'd you drop my son? Yeah. All right, yeah, that's what every 21-year-old fucking young NRL player wants, is dad ringing him up, having to go at the coach. But it's not not the fucking camel wheel under 10s, mate. Fucking hell. But that, yeah, that's pretty much it. That that was what was going on. And, yeah. like, why any club would want to deal with any of that shit is beyond me. It's got me beat. Um, the weird thing is, 
Um, if you ignore all of that shit and look at the structures he had in place uh, on the field, it seemed that the only thing he knew how to manage was a reliable defence. But attack, clueless. Just defence. It's amazing that someone with such little understanding of how a, you know, uniquely structured attack system works, managed to win a premiership. I don't know if that's astonishing or something I should be somewhat um, um, appreciative of. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just find that whole the whole thing about the way he coached a team to be rather unique. It's like, right, Paul Gallon plays for Origin, he plays Origin, he plays Tests, and he plays for Sharks. Let's get 12 other blokes like him on the field. And that was pretty much it. It does help, though, when you've had uh, help and then the year before and the year after you uh, were paying well over the salary cap. Like, that does make you look like a pretty good coach, I'm sure. Yeah. And look, let's let's take nothing away from Paul Gallen. One of the most remarkable athletes in the world. I mean, it's like he's just... He's got something extra inside of him, Andrew. I can't even tell you what it is. It's just, it's got to be natural, just natural ability. Natural ability, okay. Um, so when was this article? 2019? Yeah, 2019. So it says here in 2019 that the Sharks will be forced to pay $350,000 under the salary cap for seasons 2020 and 2021 as a result of the breaches. So I assume they're over by 700 grand. That's so, and that's over the entire, um, you know, that's all the breaches for that whole period combined. So it's not like they were over by Melbourne storm volumes or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't the systemic cheating that the storm were doing. Um, it's still over. It's still yeah. over by, and by a significant enough amount that they had to get a punishment. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't as as gross as some of the other ones. Like it wasn't as bad as the the Eels one or the Storm one or even the Bulldogs one cheese before that in the early two thousands. There, um, there was something to be said though that when you find a way to cheat all the ways, kind of compounds everything. Yeah, and then to completely ignore the punishment and the sanctions put on you. Mm. Um, yeah, that that for me. The cheating alone is enough for him to be completely banned. The mm-hmm. fact that he ignored the suspensions and kept trying to do his work while suspended, that is the reason why he should never be coaching at any level ever again. And that's also a reason why I hate the fact he's got a gig as a commentator. There's a lot of great young commentators out there in the world. And I'm not talking about myself because I'm shit out. So it's not me. I'm talking about a lot of other people out there who are very good commentators who would absolutely love to have a job like that. And this cheating fuck walks into one based on what? I'll tell you what. The fact that his mates was a dickhead old fucking bloke at the Daily Telegraph. That's all it is. Fucking shits me. I hate that. There you yeah. go. I've had a whinge. Yeah. <laughs> We've got another email here. I can't remember if we read this out before, but it's about Nathan Brown and combined losses. Did we read this one? I don't, think, I don't think we did. Okay, so this one's from Mike. 
and the subjects Nathan Brown. And he says, G'day, boys. So after the Warriors were defeated 70-10 to 10 by Melbourne, it did remind me of the time St. George Illawarra were also defeated 70-10 to 10 by Melbourne in 2000. Nathan oh, maybe Brown, we did, yeah. Oh, uh, we did? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I thought we might have, yeah. I thought he was talking about, like, combined wins of his entire coaching career and playing no. career. No, no. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to look that up. Well, we, I think we did. I think we did already. Well, he said, at the moment, 234 losses between uh, his English career and the NRL as a coach. Uh-huh. Um, so 234 losses. And as a player, lost another 77 games. So he's 311 losses. Who would, who would be up there for losses for that? All-time losses. Probably like, someone at North Sydney. You reckon? <laughs> a couple of those early West teams. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe some of the later West teams, hey? Maybe. Like, would Tommy Rodonigas? Actually, Craig Coleman. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I thought know, someone who's played for South and West in the 90s and then was a coach Paul as well. Langmack. Ooh. That's not a bad one. Yeah. Um, Coleman has had 175 losses as a player. Mm-hmm. And 37 more as a coach. Wow, that's... That was rather disappointing, really. Langmack. Yeah. yeah. I, thought he was I don't think Langmacks would be that bad because he's at the Bulldogs for a long time and they were successful. Uh, yeah, early on, though. Uh, so he's got 137, 147 losses as a player. Mate, he's too far behind. And what? only 29 as coach. Okay, what about... Um, hmm. What's <clears throat> Uh, see, I'm thinking it's got to be like somebody in the late 80s to early 90s just because there's so many more games being played. Yeah, I've got one here. How hmm. about Tim Sheens? Ooh, I was thinking Tim Sheens. <laughs> yeah, Can't 90. Probably, you probably had around about. Uh, Around about a hundred losses as a player. Yeah, I don't know because I'm only missing one season from his playing career, so it's seventy three. So, okay, he's got ninety two losses aside from that. Um, as a coach, oh yeah, three hundred and eighteen losses in the NRL and thirty one in England. So that's three hundred forty nine. So he's got near probably close to four hundred and fifty losses as a player and coach. Okay. Well, I mean, he's been around since '73. Because he was, he was in the Panthers teams who were absolutely abysmal. Mm-hmm. And then he coached some of the Panthers teams that weren't quite abysmal, but weren't good still. But he he did turn up, um, and this is a testament to what he does as a coach because you'll see at a lot of these clubs. Um, He's good at bringing through the local junior talent. So he was there, Penrith, from 84 to 87. And when were they starting to get really strong? 88 to 91. Yeah. He did a lot of the hard work there. Canberra, 88 to 96. So he was there as they were starting their building 
you know, building up by buying a lot of players uh, at the time from um, – they started out buying them from Brisbane and then they started getting them from New Zealand. Mm. Uh, and then the Cowboys, probably less said the better. thing is about it, though, he coached 98 games for the Panthers and 249 games at the Tigers. Like, just hit a fucking milestone, Tim. <laughs> I have, I've got another one. I yep. don't know if it'll work out, though. Des Hasler. Oh, probably not. Let's see. Des. 105. 120 losses as a player. Mm hmm. And 192 as a coach. So that's, that's 297. Yeah, that's not bad, eh? It's not bad. I, I mean, I, I, do you feel like that's higher than you thought it would be? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. This, this, is, this is great listening. I hope you're loving this, people. We're just yeah, a project now. What we don't record. <laughs> um, who else? I mean, if you want to play at home, it's easy to do. Yeah. Just go to Rugby League Project and go to the search box in the top right and just type in a player's name and away you go. Yeah. Simple can as that. Th- can you think of anyone else? Um, Did we do Tommy Rodonigas? No. Tom Rodonicus. Let's have a look. Oh, I don't have all of his playing career, so I'm not too sure on that. Okay. Need someone a little bit more modern. Okay. Mario Fennick. Oh, he doesn't yeah, coach. That doesn't yeah, help. Coach. I guess you could just do it on having a really bad record as a player, though, couldn't you? Yeah, you want to have a long career, so a long career of failure. Stacy Jones. <laughs> how many good times? Go. How many good teams did he play in his whole career? Two. Yeah. I think two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who's the losingest coach of all time? Oh, that's a good way to do it. Wayne Bennett. I mean, that's easy. He's only coached, you know, more games than anybody else. Yeah, that's, that's... fair. Uh, yeah, Nathan Brown's got a pretty good record. Yeah, Nathan Brown's going for it, hey? He really is. Who else is there here that might have... Yeah, I've gone too far down the list. I'm already at the blokes who just had 100 losses as a coach, so they're not going to make it. Yeah, they're not going um, to. There's only four coaches in NRL history, and I'm talking about back to 1908. I won't mm-hmm. go through all the bloody other acronyms, NSWRL is a shit. There's only been four coaches to rack up 200 or more losses. Mm-hmm. going to have a crack at who they might be. 200 losses. Uh, Wayne Bennett. Yep. Tim Sheens. Yep. You're going in order at the moment, too, which is good. Oh, number really? three. Yeah, number three is? Number three. Uh, See, so I'm thinking about coaches that have been around a long time more than anything. Yes. Mm. Uh, I don't think him. Uh... <laughs> 
I'm going through in my head of I'm like getting rid of all of these names out of my head, man. Is Nathan Brown one of them? No, okay. he's he's at number eight. Okay, but oh, there's a couple more. Yeah, this is difficult. This one. Yeah, well, he coached 601 games. Brian Smith. That's correct. And number four is also a current coach. It's a current coach. Yep. Just a few weeks ago, he brought up his 450th game as a coach. Fuck. I don't even know. Who is it? Ricky Stewart. Oh, yeah. Wow. There you go. I'm a bit surprised Stewart's there. But I guess he's been around for a long time now, hasn't he? I still think Stewart has not been a long-term coach. He's been coached for like 20 years or something. Yeah, there's only the three coaches that you mentioned. I've coached more games than him. Oh, no, there's also Craig Bellamy's coached 512. That's all right. How many losses does Craig Bellamy have? Uh, from 512 games, he's got 151. That's fucking outrageous. So his win rate is at 70.1%. God, that's crazy. So there's above him, there's four coaches who coached one game and had a win. Yep. There's one coach who coached two games and won both games. Then we have Howard Hallett, who coached 30 games and had 28 wins. Wow. He is 93.3%. And Tom McMahon, who coached 20 games with 15 wins at 75%. Bellamy's after those. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so amazing. It, it, that is, it doesn't make sense, hey? No, it's it's mathematically wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's one of those ones where, where you sometimes get like records from like the thirties or something. And you're like, yeah, but you know, it was the thirties. This is happening now. Yeah. I think a little bit further down the list, you've got Trent Robertson at 64.5%. He's above Bob Fulton. Yeah. Um, He's above Wayne Bennett at 62.5%. Jack Mm -hmm. Gibson at Mm 62.2%. Phil Gould was at 59.3%. Where's Nathan Cleary? Uh, he hasn't coached Ivan, yet. Ivan Cleary, sorry. <laughs> He's at 75th on the ladder at 53.7%. Okay. Yeah. Because these He's last at, couple of years must be helping him pretty good. At 71, just four places above Ivan Cleary, Shane Flanagan at 55.1%. Really? Wow. How crazy is that? Oh, dear. There you go. There's some stats for you people. Yeah, we've got some stats in. Did the origin teams. Did some did emails. emails. Did we get all the emails done? We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did, yeah. Look at that, people. We've got you covered. Now, what you need to do is send us more emails. Yeah, go to the email machine and go to and put into it podcast at leaguefreak.com. Just do the subject, whatever you want. And just ask us any question. You can now send emails through the website again properly. I put in a, one of those capture things, so you might have to put in a couple of random letters that are, that come up on the thing. But at least now I won't be getting spam from Russia. Nice. Yeah, it would be good. Nice. I'll, I'll also let China know your email again. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> 
I, like, I went to the Panthers game, right, on the, yep. on the weekend. At halftime, they had this giveaway where yes. they they had – you had to hold up this sign that you had. I didn't have one of the signs, but you hold up a sign and they would pick somebody out and the winner would get $250 worth of Bitcoin. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because all I had to do was buy $400 of it to now have $250 worth of it. <laughs> oh, the old Ponzi coin. It's going great guns. I'm hurting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have done. You should have taken my fan in the stand down and just held that up. I could have done that. I could have done that. But okay. I'd, I'd have to wipe the uh, makeup that I put up on it. No, no, leave it. I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, if people wanted to find us on social media, how the fuck would they do that? Well, they need to open up their their internet machine, mm-hmm. and they go to um to Instagram or Twitter and go to uh, Virgo Freak Pod. That's where you'll find us on both of those. Uh, you can also go to LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace. I don't know why we did that one, but anyway, it's there. Um, you check us out on all of those. Please subscribe, like, follow, share, all that shit. Do it all. That's your homework. Um, Freaky said he's going to check up on all of you to make sure you've done it. And if you haven't, um, he's going to make some room in the uh, the intern's cage for you. Yeah. You don't want to be there. No, you definitely don't want to be there. So, so just... So just do this little thing for us. That's all you got to do. It's a piece of cake. Um, that would be fantastic. Someone, anyone, please leave a review. <laughs> Been a while. Yeah, review the damn podcast, you lazy bastards. It's it's not that much. Not that much work. I mean, I wouldn't mind a recipe. Something to feed a fussy child. Put that and- in there. And a food recipe, not something out of like one of those cookbooks. So remember one of those cookbooks you could download off the internet that they would don't want that distributed, okay? Just normal food. I don't know what was going on. I'm such an innocent human. I see early days of the internet for me, I couldn't couldn't get on. There's the uh the dial up internet we had out in the bush I only ran at twenty four K Per second. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to download this email. Oh, the email's 5K in size. Right, I'll just start now and I'll come back next week. It should be done. It's interesting because on my early days, uh, being on the internet, it was very much bush-oriented as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's like the uh, the whole podcast has gone full circle. I know it has. It's it's good. It's good. Lovely. You've got to love it when things just come together like that. Exactly. Oh, we were. Oh, sorry. We weren't going to say that word again. No, we weren't going. We weren't going to mention come, Andrew. Uh, thanks for tuning, in, everyone. Uh, also, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Palmerbet. Make sure you check them out and also gamble responsibly. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.